Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Ronaldo! Oh, it's come on, come on! Ronaldo! Brazil in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! And it's a concert! And Germany are the champions of the world. It's Mbappé! Oh, my Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and JJ. Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Busy day. Busy day at the World Cup. It was an interest sandwich in which the, the two slices of bread, the first game and the last game, were really interesting. And then the two in the middle were quite dull and turgid. But there's plenty to talk about. And um, maybe, maybe this is the day where I say the tournament has caught fire. This is the day where you say that. Wow. Interesting. I would say that, uh, yeah, I think your assessment is is largely correct. Although even the, how did you put it, the turgid games, even those had some moments that made you jump out of your seat. I mean, I'm thinking mainly of Mexico, which we'll get to. Um, they did, but if you if you go back, which as I did and, and rewatched just to see if I missed anything, the highlights of Tunisia and Denmark wasn't great stuff. I, I, some of the games have been underwhelming, but that can happen at a tournament. The the opening group games can can often be not that good, but um, but you couldn't argue with the shock that happened this morning. No, you certainly couldn't. I think this day for me will be remembered for two things: one, the shock that happened this morning, like you just said, and I think I will term today as the day of the disallowed goal. I mean, how many yeah. did we see today? Not just in, in Argentina versus Saudi Arabia, but Denmark, Tunisia, I think had one or two as well. Well, um, I think I think those calls were correct uh, in the Denmark-Tunisia game. Uh, and I think most of them were correct in the Argentina-Saudi Arabia, except I think, was it Lautaro Martinez? When they showed the graphic... 
of his offside, uh, you're like, like his feet are on. I know. Up, most of it, it's like the corner of where his arm becomes his shoulder. You're like, oh, guys. Should... We're, we're back to the molecular man. Oh, we are really. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there who'd be very happy that it's, you know, it's cut and dried. It's cut and dry. Technology telling us. But uh, I don't think that's the spirit of the law. And um, what, a, like, I mean, I know that's the game we're going to start with because it's, it's the big upset. Um, but that game was just, you often say on the pod, and our listeners have heard you say this ad nauseum, soccer is one of those games where, like, if you dominate in the NFL, you win. Dominate, yeah, the run game, you win. You know, the passing game, you win. Like, Argentina dominated so many facets of this game, but it didn't matter because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is that good it, or bad? I, I think can't it's gr- decide. Oh, I, th- I think it's great because it's more a, it's more a reflection of life. Like, you can, you can be outrageously talented. You can be very athletic in life. You can be quite smart. And things for one, for little variables, little turns of fate and the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, you don't get what you quote-unquote deserve. Soccer says to you, deserve means nothing. That's what soccer says. You're right. And, maybe and, that's, that... what the, and that's what the world says. I mean, I don't want to get too dark or anything, but how many great people, like wonderful people, do we see have unfortunate things happen to them or maybe they, they, they leave this mortal coil completely far before their time and you think... This is dreadfully unfair. And life is literally a complete, every day is an act of luck and hope and, 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 and fear. And soccer is that too. And that's why it's, 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 uh, it's a good thing because it reflects okay. real world experiences. Wow. I mean, have you ever seen a better example of someone just pulling something right out of their A right before you and just spinning it into something beautiful? Well done. Uh, well done. Listen, something may have to be taken out of my knee. After uh, I, I visited the doctor today and he said, okay, your ACL is good. Your medial ligament's good. Um, you still have a weird knee that was surgically repaired 16 years ago. So I'm going to want an MRI to see what's going on in there because my knee's just swollen up. And I'm like mm. feeling really bad for myself. And then I go watch France and Australia and I see what happened to poor Hernandez on the Australian goal where he just innocuously falls over. Boom. Cruciate ligament gone, tournament over, and his brother comes on to replace him. Yeah. And uh, now that is, that's some cruelty too. Um, yeah, I should stop musing on life though. And we should talk about the games. Sure. Let's do that. Let's talk about one of the games that will be remembered for all time. I do not believe that that is hyperbole. Saudi Arabia two, Argentina one. It is, one of the great upsets that this competition has ever seen. I think that that is a fair statement to make. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that this now goes into the category of. I think you got to talk about USA, England in 1950. Um, you know, it's funny, JJ. There was uh, FIFA World Cup, like the, the official Twitter account put out a, a tweet that I saw today. ESPNFC had posted it in an article talking about this upset. And um, 
in reference to that England USA game, it's funny what they said. The tweet said they fielded a dishwasher, a hearse driver, and a postman. They were given odds of 500 to one to win. When they did, the press, assuming a misprint, reported that England had won 10 to one. That's right. <laughs> it was so absurd that the U.S. could have won one nil that it ha- there had to have just been a one missing in front of that zero for England. It was more likely that they won 10 to one than it was that the U.S. won one zero. That's how unlikely that upset was. <laughs> Don't 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 forget that the the England team that played that day in uh, Belo Horizonte was, you know, it contained the most famous players in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was an enormous shock, a huge shock. I've got some other ones mm-hmm. uh, to rank with that. Cameroon won, Argentina nil at Italia ninety. That was the um, reigning champions, Argentina with Diego Maradona taken down by the flying indomitable lions of Cameroon. Um, I remember that being a huge shock uh, as a boy watching that game. One that I picked out that some people will quibble with, but I still think it was a shock because Spain were so highly fancied going into it. It was France 98, Spain 2, Nigeria 3. Although when you look back at that Nigeria team, they were absolutely stacked and were a dark horse for that tournament. But nevertheless, uh, a 3-2 defeat was kind of shocking. France and Senegal. Yeah, I always uh, think of that one. Yeah, Senegal won France nil. I, I remember that being a big deal at Japan and South Korea 2002. And weirdly, very strangely, I read this in the Daily Mail today, the Mail Sport, the Saudi manager today of uh, um, Herve Renard. Herve Renard. Yeah, Renard, which is, I think, French for Fox. Um, okay. And if you've ever seen the man, I would agree with that. His partner, his current partner, was married at the time, to Senegalese manager Bruno Metso, Metso when uh, when they beat France in two thousand and two, so um, hmm. she's be, she's been a party to a, a double double surprise victories in in World Cup games. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this one goes right; it goes right into all of those. Um, I mean, and maybe look, I, I don't know. It's hard to sit here and say right now that it moves to the front of the line. I do think the fact that Argentina had won 36 consecutive matches coming into this tournament is it adds a layer to this that is hard to match in some of those others. I mean, you talk about just like the form that they were in. The the last time they lost was three years ago to Brazil. Like that's that's the run that this team was on. They've won a Copa America in Brazil against Brazil in the time since they coasted through a grueling qualification cycle in in Conmebol in South America. I mean, this is just, this was a team at their absolute height that had risen up through the ranks of who we thought could win this tournament and got smacked back down to reality from a Saudi Arabian team that doesn't have a single player playing outside of that league, a league that we know essentially nothing about. And that made me wonder about something. Now, I'm not going to sit here and suddenly tell you that this means Saudi Arabia is some kind of contender. I, I can't I can't say that to you. But JJ, I'm going to need your help here. I'm, going to, I'm putting you on the spot. I apologize. We had a guy on the podcast a couple of years ago who had written a book about, I think it was about the U.S. and about yeah. w- one of the issues for the U.S. that makes them makes it a little more challenging for them when it comes to their national team is that they have players kind of scattered all over the place. And that that kind of inhibits a, a cohesive unit from being able to be formed as easier as it in, in, in yeah. some other countries. And if you go and look at the Saudi Arabian team, it's not just, J.J., that they're all playing in the same league. It feels like they're all on the same team. Al Hilal, right. go through Al-Hilal. the roster. It's the yeah. whole team. I mean, so I just wonder, like, again, this is 
this is probably still some kind of a fluke that this happened. A fun one. Well, I, again, can, that's so demeaning to say, but but I couldn't help but look at that when I was looking through their squad, and I just couldn't help but think that like these guys on this Saudi Arabian team, they all know each other. They know every movement that they're going to make. They've all come up through the ranks together. They've been playing on the same team. It's like the whole national team is basically comprised of three teams, and Al-Halal is the main one. And I just that I think that that has to count for something. Yeah, I mean... Don't fight me. Just agree. I know you want no, to. I don't want to agree because I remember that guest and uh, his book was all about the spirit of 1776. He was great. I I, I, did not, I can't remember his name. I feel terrible. Yeah, I, did, I didn't enjoy that interview oh, whatsoever. Right. And he talked, talked. I'm sorry, I'm just telling the truth. I remember he talked about grit and everything. By the way, don't don't ask us, can we come on your podcast? And then don't give us a copy of the book. Oh, like, so this is personal. I understand. No, you know. but I would have liked to have read more of his half-baked theories about American soccer. Oh my this, god! I, I did not. I was not buying what that guy was selling, um, and, and a lot of our listeners weren't either. Um, <laughs> look, what a ridiculous statement! What do you hear from one not, guy? No, oh, you're a mean. We, I you're a from, mean guy. You're a mean guy. Oh, Christ. Yeah. All right. Okay. If we had said it was the the Burton Ernie show featuring whatever, this guy wouldn't have known any better. He was just on to plug his book. He didn't care about us. Um, Saudi Arabia, Andrew, posted an XG of 0. 0.13. Uh, Argentina outshot England in terms of their XG 2.14. Um, so look, uh, like 14 shots, five on target. Saudi Arabia had three shots on target, and they scored two goals. I so mean, look, Argentina like, could have had a billion goals today. Like, it was that yeah. close. Now, if we, like, let, 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 let's give them, let's, let's give uh, Saudi Arabia credit. As Tim Vickery said in his tweet, they showed courage. There was a lot of courage in playing that high line. That on another day, they're getting whacked. It's 5-0 before halftime. But they kept it, and that meant they could pressurize uh, Argentina. It was hard for Argentina to play through. And then when Saudi Arabia got the ball back or did turnovers, they could do something. They had one absolute worldie to win the game. A, a complete worldie that they're not hitting again. With We're talking about XG with a very low XG. So you're you're like afraid to say well you, you were kind you were afraid you were being disrespectful. Disrespect away. It's quite likely that they play this game ten times and they don't win another one of those games. You're you're right. You're right. So that's but but, but so, like there the, is more the, there's a little more to it than that though. Like, you know, well, the, I was listening the, I I would think it was the Guardian I was listening to. They were and I think it was Philippe Auclair who was talking about uh Salam al Del uh Sari who scored the winner. And I mean, he's he is a superstar. He just has chosen to not leave that country. And so, like, there, I think it was Philippe Leclerc who said there there are people who view him as the best Asian player who is still playing in Asia. You know, because obviously there would be Sun. Like, there's other players who have left, but in, yeah, among, yeah, among Asian understand. players who have stayed there, he may be the best. He's, he's you know he's making I think they said three and a half million a year. Like so, and and so then he went and did something incredible today. And so you do have to wonder, okay, like just because we haven't seen some of these guys, does that mean that they're not also great players? I'm not talking about all of them, mean- but but that guy might be something special. He might, if he chose to leave Saudi Arabia, he might be doing something in in the Premier League right now, and we know all about him. And to your point about hot housing players in terms of keeping them all together and working with them, we we heard about the camps that Gus Hiddink did with South Korea in 2002, where they worked long hours together in combination plays. And when they came to play in the tournament, it was almost telepathic the way they passed. Yes, that can be a factor. Sure. But just look at the ball stats today. 
Saudi Arabia should be given credit for playing the risky game that they played and for getting it right and winning the game. And equally, Scolari and, um, you know, the Argentinian side, they should be, for being so rigid and unable to like adapt to the game state and do better, they should be given equal ridicule or whatever. So look, um, Scaloni, by the way, sorry, yeah. Scolari. Scaloni. So, yeah, I mean, but but this is this is a game that can happen in football. Now, the, the question for me, and, and the thing that's really enticing is, is this something now that sets Argentina, after all the era of good feeling, the era of good vibes, going on holiday together, Messi being more relaxed. Messi said after the game he felt dead. Dead. Now, that, I mean, that can't happen. Are they going to go into some kind of psychodrama like they did at the last World Cup and ultimately end up flaming out? That's the question for me. Yeah, and it can only be a question. I mean, it's honestly, it's unanswerable because we've seen this go multiple ways. We saw we saw Spain lose their first match in 2010 and then go on and win the World Cup and they're viewed as, that, that Spanish team is viewed as maybe one of the top three greatest national teams we've ever seen. It can go that way. It can go the way of France in 2002 when they lost to Senegal like we just referenced and the whole thing spiraled out of control. Uh, who was it, JJ? Argentina in 1990? Yeah, went, we lost to Cameroon and went all the way to the final. Then. Right, so. were they? Yeah, so so I, we, there are enough examples on both sides where everything's in play here. Um, if I had to, I mean, if I were a betting man on this, uh, I look at the rest of that group, Poland, Mexico, good teams, yes. I still, like... Regardless of what I saw today, I'm still taking Argentina to win their next two and come out of this group with six points and move on. Now, maybe maybe there's questions about them where we have to reevaluate whether or not we think they can win this whole tournament, but I don't think this ends in the group stage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down with this ship. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, Mexico and Poland hardly wowed you today. No. Um, and, but but they, if there was one thing that was notable about them, it's how... Um, obdurate they were defensively, how difficult, how awkward they both were defensively. And they'll they'll look and, and, and see in Argentina that's a little bit of a wounded animal and maybe they'll think, maybe they'll, they'll certainly be emboldened by that result that Saudi Arabia got. And we and again, I, I'm not actually in, that interested in how the other teams approach it. I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall now uh, for every meeting, for every training session for Argentina, because this is their worst nightmare realized. And um, it's going to be so interesting to see how they how they react to this. And, and another interesting wrinkle to, the, to this uh, thing, and I'm not suggesting impropriety, but another angle to today's result is the fact that the country that, and I'm being dramatic here because he just said he was, he felt dead, but, the country that killed Lionel Messi is a country in Saudi Arabia that he is so utterly tied to mm-hmm. off the field. Um, I was reading the athletics piece on uh, Messi as this kind of tourist ambassador, but also a key component in in Saudi Arabia's like 2030 vision of, of, of it coming out of the, the kind of the perception of it, of Westerners and it emerging into the greater world. And one of that, uh, one of the pillars of that, is them trying to host 
a World Cup in 2030 with themselves, Greece and Turkey, I think, are the options because, I mean, even Saudi Arabia realises that on its own, it would probably not be a palatable option. Um, uh, Dennis Horak, the Canadian ambassador to Saudi between, I'm reading from The Athletic here, between 2015 and 2018, explains to The Athletic, the whole opening of the entertainment and sports sphere is a part of Vision 2030 with the Live Golf funded by Saudi Arabia. And now with these sorts of high-level sponsorships such as Messi, they're trying to take it to another level and make it global. Saudi's reputation globally needs a sprucing up and it is about to rebrand the country. And so it's just, again, not suggesting any impropriety, nothing funny going on, but it's just a confluence of moments that their biggest result that they've had in their history comes against a man who is a key component of their ambassadorial attempts to uh, sports wash the country. Um, And it'd be be curious to see the next wrinkle, which is both Messi and Suarez lent their support to a rival bid for 2030, which is a South American bid involving Uruguay and Argentina. And now Messi is finding himself shilling for the Saudis, probably against his own country. I I think there's some awkward years ahead for Mm. Messi. Um, and this game will be a footnote in his post-playing career and um, and perceptions of him in his home country, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Boy, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, I feel uncomfortable thinking about it. Like I, I, like him now being pitted against his own nation in a World Cup bit. I don't know. It's very strange. It also makes well, are you, you wonder... It also makes Are you, you wonder telling... where he goes next. Like all the talk for him about like after PSG is that, you know, maybe he's headed to Inter Miami. If he's so tied to, to Saudi Arabia, why would he not be going to Al-Halal or one of the clubs when there? You, when you go on the Saudi tourist website, there's a landing page. Uh, there's a part that's just all messy. Uh, Ronaldo was approached first and turned the money down and it was supposed to be 5 million a year. And it's believed that Messi is receiving many multiples of that number to to go to work for for the Saudi tourist board, hmm. so it's I think it's a fascinating uh, something yeah. fascinating that people should watch as as his career develops. Maybe Big he ends up at golf guy. <laughs> him and him and Arlo White. Arlo White might get a chance to interview him. Wow, how about all, that? All on, all on the PIF uh, dollar. I will say this about Messi. Um, going kind of back to the game, like I don't know. It's always been a little bit of a mystery, JJ. I wonder what you think of this as to what kind of leader he is exactly. He's never been very vocal. I feel like he's always been a little bit mysterious. Like I feel like we don't really know a ton about him. You get little glimpses in interviews, but it seems I remember Sam Borden did a, a a big feature on Messi, and it sounded like the interview was all very like delicately handled by Messi's team. They needed the questions ahead of time. He wasn't answer willing to answer a lot of like that's just kind of the figure he is. But like whether or not he is natural, being a leader comes natural to him. It's not his choice. Like you're Leo Messi. And so his body language, his comments, his words after a game like this, like whether he likes it or not, guys on that team will absolutely take their cues from him. He's just that guy. He's that magnetic force that even if, even if being a leader is not, you know, something he's suited towards, Players will look to him for that. He can't start saying things like "I'm we're I'm I feel dead." He has to try to keep like a positive, a positive approach to where they're at because it's not nothing is over yet. 
But if he starts coming out, if he starts hanging his head, if he, you know, we, we've all seen that look on him. Uh, you know, if that happens here, like that team will follow suit and it's nothing is over yet for them. Nothing. No, I will be paying attention to that, to those Argentinian national anthems for the Mexico and Poland games with, with great, with great um, attention, because you're right. As as he goes, so so does Argentina. Sure. I mean, I think I only had a quick look, but I thought his I think his stats for today were like, you know, they were good. Um, Jermaine yeah, I mean, Jones he converted had a, the penalty. He nearly scored again, but he he yeah. was offside. Um, well, yeah. I I think I think generally his stats were good. I'd have to, I'd have to have another look. Um, I mean, I saw but, some yeah. comments out there about like you know he's just not running. You know, some a lot of the Jermaine things that we, Jones hear about, that we hear about Ronaldo. Yeah, well, I think it was Jermaine Jones, uh, maybe that I saw tweet something like, like that. Jermaine Jones has he watched Messi uh, at any point in the last ten years? Like, I mean, it is funny though, JJ, that like that's one of the big criticisms we have against Ronaldo. But Messi seems to skate by in that way. Well, yeah, because well, have you again? Have you seen Ronaldo? So when Messi does decide, he's always been a bit like that. We read it in the Simon Cooper book where he's looking to pick up space, and then when it's on, he's gone, like lightning. Like, Ronaldo's not like that anymore. Ronaldo, Ronaldo, God bless him, just can't make those those kind of mazy runs and yeah, hasn't been what, for a while. See what Vincent Company said today? Oh, was, yeah, we'll get to Ronaldo. Okay. But what Vincent Company said was hilarious. Yeah. So he was asked, I guess, by in a press conference, uh, Sky always do the same thing. They'll ask, at the end of the manager's questions, they'll ask a manager about a big topic of the day, and they, there's sometimes a jokey question. And I guess he asked Vincent Company, would you be interested in signing Ronaldo? And Vincent retorted, no, we need players who can run. <laughs> Oof. Got him. Oof. He got him. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, I'll be, uh, I don't know. I'm so, I can't wait. Argentina, I think it's Mexico that they have next. Oh, poor Mexico. I mean, who knows? I guess that could go any any number of ways. It could either be that Argentina just take out all of their anger and frustration on the Mexicans, or maybe, or maybe Argentina's defeated and and primed for another beating. So I don't know. That game has suddenly become one of the most fascinating games of this tournament. Messi's international career, it can't end like this, right? It just can't. Going out meekly in the group stage, losing to Saudi Arabia. Oh, no. Man. I don't know. I, I, I don't want that. Me neither. Nobody wants that. No, yeah. me neither. So, JJ, with all of this in mind, there's something I want to tell you about on this podcast tonight. We're so excited that over the course of this World Cup, we're going to be sponsored by DraftKings. That's right, buddy. The uh, The best soccer teams in the world are competing for the Cup. DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is where to go to bet on the tournament. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $150 in free bets if your pregame money line bet wins. For even more action, Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, toggle on the same game parlay feature, and combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use code OFFSIDE, kick in $5 on any team, and get $150 in free bets if your pregame Moneyline bet wins. That's code OFFSIDE, no S, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued is free bets. See state-specific responsible gambling resources and terms at DraftKings.com slash soccer. So we're so excited about that. And so I I pulled it up in front of me here as we're talking about Argentina. Um, 
And I'm looking now at how things have changed in terms of the betting odds for who's going to go on and win this tournament. So Argentina, okay. after their loss, have now fallen to plus 850. Brazil is plus 300. England and France are both plus 650. And then Argentina is next to plus 850. I wonder if now's the time to get in and get them. Like this, this might be like your the value pick right now. If you still, if you still think that this was a fluke and that Argentina are going to be just fine, I wonder if there's value there. I saw you're not the only one I saw uh, say that today. I say say it. I've been on Twitter as well a lot. Man, World Cup Twitter is fun. Um, but again, you look up and it's like five o'clock and it's dark and you're like, what have I done with my day? Yeah. I mean, um, World Cup Twitter, every, they're all playing for second place after USMNT Twitter. Nothing competes with that. And again, just a quick diversion from uh, from our coverage of other teams competing at this World Cup. Me and you both watched what I would describe as a video nasty. I would have slapped a, a PG and R rating on this one. Um, it was a super cut of the U.S. men's national team in transition against Wales yesterday. Oh, man. And all the passes that weren't made when things were wide open. Now, we'd said it on the pod yesterday when we were breaking down the game. But we were saying from memory, we weren't saying from highlights and it broken into uh, successive pieces of bad transitional play. Yeah. Folks, it's not good. Yeah, the it's Twitter account, uh, Jack Steven, PH and Steven, if you, if you want to subject yourself to it. Um, it's a it's, rough watch. It's, it's about as frustrating as you can get. Yeah, because it's just like it's just a compilation of all the coulda, shoulda, would'ves, you know, in and just a lot one of the two ball- minute video. And a lot of the balls are like, you gotta make that, you yeah. gotta see that. Oh, you don't. Yeah, some of them are really like, like passes that that I could make. Yeah, me. With your hammy legs. The the offspring of Dave Sarakin. <laughs> By the way, JJ, um, while we're talking about the U.S., I still have DraftKings. I still have it up in front of me. What do you think about plus 15,000? Like them odds. <laughs> Got a uh, little, put a little flutter on there. I will say um, Belgium at plus 1,800 is not so bad. I'd consider that. Let's see them tomorrow against our maple drinking friends. I don't think, let's, uh, let's... Plus 1,800 is, that's, I don't know. That's a little bit appealing. I don't. I don't think they're going to do it. But so I guess maybe I'm throwing money away. But like I don't know. There's something. That's a big number for a, a team that I think could has has a last gasp chance at this. We'll the see. thing about you is, uh, you will you will go. Will I? Should put a few on that. I really feel good about that. No, I won't. And then they'll go on and win the tournament, and you'll yeah. be ow. Oh. <laughs> no, you're right. You're that is. That is what will happen. Um, Can I suggest to you that we get the nil-nils out of the way quickly? Uh, which one do you want to start with? I, I, would, I would suggest Mexico-Poland. I find that one more interesting. Okay, let's go Mexico-Poland first. Um, every four years... Can I ask years... you a weird question first before we get like about this game, before we get into kind of the X's and O's of it? Sure. It's one of... I wonder, I wonder how other American fans feel about this when I find myself watching Mexico in the world cup, like, you know, like I don't have to prove anything to you or, or anybody out there listening. You all know, like how I feel about Mexico as a soccer nation. I don't mean the people of Mexico. I mean like the football team of Mexico, their national team. I despise them. You hate them. I just absolutely despise them. 
And you uh, hate NAFTA lo- as well. You, you hate any agreement that, I mean, politically you are, yeah, you're a monster. I, but I love the rivalry. Like it's, I think that sure. having, I feel honestly lucky that we have a rivalry like that. There are some nations that don't. And I think that it's really, it's one of the things that makes being an American fan fun is looking forward to those games against Mexico. Those games bring meaning to games that wouldn't ordinarily have them. Like the UEFA Nations League final, that could have been whatever, it wound up being one of the most thrilling experiences of my life as an American soccer fan. Like I love it and I love hating them, but I wonder if how other American fans feel when they're watching Mexico in the world cup. I can't help, but have a little bit of this. Like we're all sitting together in the CONCACAF cafe. Oh, now you got covered in piss, covered in piss and gravel. (laughs) And there's yellow cards everywhere. And there is a pool of water in the corner because the pitch hasn't been drained properly. That that vibe. Like I need, I kind of want American fans out there. Please tweet me at a gunling, um, and let me know when at Co Soccer Pod or uh, at Co Soccer Pod. Either one, take your pick. When when Ochoa saved that penalty, were you angry or did you quietly pump your fist? I was not necessarily upset when that happened. Is that you, bad? It, should I not know, be is pa- this? Is part of it that the fact that your rival does well is a good reflection on the region? And of course. Reflects, and reflects well on the U.S. men's national team who who are unbeaten in the last four major games against against Mexico. Is, is, that, mean, is that really what you're yeah, saying here? Absolutely. High tide raises all ships, JJ. I want U.S. and Mexico to be viewed... Like, I, I don't want this part of the world from a soccer perspective to be viewed as a joke you know if these teams went out there lost three matches bang good night world cup over then like you know what what is that like i think i want them to be good so our games against them feel more meaningful you know i, I want soccer in this part of the world to be viewed in a in a in a, a certain light a more positive light i i will i will i will say this i have a lot more uh grow which is Irish for love. I have a lot more grow for Mexico when they're outside of the CONCACAF bubble and they're playing. Now, I don't know why that is, but I, I, I kind of I enjoy, I enjoy them doing well. Like that, when they beat Germany in the opening game of the, of the Russian World Cup mm. in 2018, I enjoyed that thoroughly. It was, it was great. Um, I, and I, I would say that, um, I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing, but Mexico at World Cups feels right like the 86 World Cup with Manuel Negrete's scissor kick in the 94 World Cup, even though they beat Ireland in Orlando, the noise when they, Luis Garcia scores his two goals against Ireland is just stunning. It's an eruption. And so you know those supporters, are they're legit. They're hardcore. And, and, and I guess that's why I like them. Now, to this game. Well, real quick, I on would... that note, JJ, there was a report today. I was watching the pregame for that. Um was it who was it? Rodolfo Landeros? He he had a report from outside the stadium that I think the Qatari government was suggesting that somewhere between seventy to eighty thousand Mexican fans travel to Qatar for this tournament. It's incredible. They're just, they're just I'm sorry, they're unbelievable. They leave U.S. fans, they leave England fans, they leave French fans in the absolute dust. They show up on mass. If you had a Mexican game, if I said right now on this podcast. Mexico will play an international in Prospect Park right beside me here. Well, actually, that's a, probably a bad example. We're in New York. Yeah, of- how about let, let's go with the moon? All right. right on the mo- playing a friendly on the moon. It would sell out in 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. And it'd be unbelievable. 
um, Mexico fans, Irish fans, Glasgow Celtic fans, um, Welsh fans as well. Just they just turn up out of the woodwork. Absolutely incredible. But to the game, Andrew, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Again, it, there wasn't a ton of chances in this one, but. First of all, can we agree that it was a penalty? If if you're yeah, just going to, I thought it was. If you're going to pull somebody down by their shirt, you, you're committing a penalty. Like I don't, I had no problem with that. I thought that was that was you know you know how I feel about VAR. I think that it can work, and that was one of was, those moments where I thought perfection. Yeah, and and Ochoa had done his homework because the last time Lewandowski had missed, he'd gone to that corner as well, down to the keeper, down to to the right, to the keeper's left. It's a very good save, and, and I analyzed it. He nails having the one foot on the line. He's his right as the ball's being struck, his foot leaves the line. It's it's perfect. Because if you notice, the minute you see him leave, Ochoa leave, you think, ah, he's moved. He's no, no, no. He's got his timing absolutely perfect. Every four years, he just um just comes out and puts in this massive performance. He's kind of like a soccer version of the Jeepers Creepers guy who like goes away but wakes up every like eight years. He's like nailed up in a barn. <laughs> I don't know. What are you actually talking about? Do you know the Jeepers Creepers guy? The Jeepers Creepers movie? No. You've never seen it? Oh, it's frightening. There's a guy, he's a, he's a bat guy. He's a dangerous guy and he kills teenagers, sexy teenagers. <laughs> and and he's, he's nailed in a shed, Andrew. And uh, he comes back to life every so many years, and oh, he causes all awful disruption. Oh, he's terrible. And terrible. that's Memo Ochoa to you, Memo Ochoa. I I had to look up what club he was at. I forgot. Honestly, I just pay so little attention. I don't even think he's that great of a goalkeeper. But he gets up and he is ready for the World Cup. He looks in the mirror and he goes, "Time to shine, baby." And he puts in these performances, like 2014 against Neymar. 2018 against, was it Germany? Uh, yeah, maybe he had a couple of performances in the 2018 World Cup. He just shows up. He's built a career on being like really kind of noticeable at World Cups. I'm, you're not wrong. He he is good at these things and he's been doing it. For, we've seen him at so many now. He's 37 years old. I, I should say he is good in between. Like maybe the world sees it every four years, but like he's generally good. I can't think of, I mean, I'd have to go back and like in these USA Mexico games, how many blunders he's been at fault for. I don't know. I don't know how many exactly come to mind. Um, I don't know. I, I've, I've always viewed him as a good keeper. I mean, you've got I, to be, I, I to be think 37 and still starting for your national team. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I don't think Mexico, like I thought Chucky Lozano was, was definitely their most kind of dangerous player. Um, and then, I can't remember who had the shot and it was almost deflected in Martin, uh, from a head. So Martin had the header. Uh, that right. was all, if that had been executed and, and he actually converted that, it might've been my favorite goal of the tournament. Like, I don't think a goal like that could win goal of the tournament. Well, it would have been know? a fluke, but like, that's a I don't shot. Think it, that's not... So when I watched the replay of that, I don't, I think he made that run. Like you could see the ball didn't just accidentally hit his head. He makes the run across the box and then he he angles that like he it's an intentional I, header i don't know i'd have to watch i'd have to watch it again i I'm think he pulls the sh- i think he pulls the shot and it's great improvisation to get the he- to get his head on it and uh chesney does the job but um 
I don't know what to take from this game. I don't. I still don't know if either team are, are particularly good. I, I know a lot Mexico, of people. I think Mexico is good. I do. I mean, they were pretty dominant on the ball. Eleven shots, you know, a couple near misses. Look, they could have lost the game. Obviously, they had to save a penalty um, to keep it at nil nil. But I don't. I. I think Mexico's a good team. I'll say this, though. The way the dynamic of the group is shaking out, they probably were not anticipating Saudi Arabia being a contender now to get out of this thing. I mean, this became a really tall order for them. No. Player three has entered the game. There's a new shark on the tank now. So, and that <laughs> no, makes seriously. things uh, pretty difficult as well. What about, um, what about the other game, Andrew? Unless you well, have anything else. Real back. quick. You, you asked one question that I don't want to gloss over. I thought it was a very interesting question that you asked here about Lewandowski, who missed the penalty today. And you note that um, Lewandowski has the most international goals by a player to not score at a World Cup. Yeah, he's does like 76 hurt, goals or something. And then you ask, does this hurt his legacy? Not to me, but I don't know why. <laughs> like Maybe it's because he plays for a national team that I generally don't have high expectations for. Right. Um, and so... If he doesn't score for them, maybe I've just seen him do so many incredible things that if he's not scoring goals, my head just kind of goes to this place of, well, he's what do you expect? Like he's not getting the proper service. They have to defend far more. They're never going to see nearly as much of the ball. His opportunities to score are going to be so much fewer and far between. Um, maybe that's not fair, but I just I, I hold him in such high regard. And I've seen him play so incredibly for so many years that I just like, I see something like that and it doesn't really affect the way I view him. I, I just blame everyone else, basically. Yeah, and I've seen him play well for Poland. Uh, the fact that it doesn't go for him in a major tournament, it's, it doesn't chip away at, 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 at his play for me. I still think he's been uh, outstanding and one of the best strikers we've had. Uh, we've seen he's in a- Europe for a long for, yeah, for a long time. I don't know. I just, some of those legacy chats are very difficult, particularly when, like you said, he plays for Poland, but he's at the elite level in his, in, in his club. It's, it's, it's unbalanced and it's hard to, it's hard to draw many conclusions legacy wise on that. Yeah. Um, I have very little on Denmark Tunisia, except to say, I don't understand Andreas Cornelius's miss. Uh, which had a um, an XG of 0.99. <laughs> I don't understand it. I uh, somehow, when the ball skids across, decides I'll go with my head. Almost like that's the most surefire way. And he ends up kind of directing it, not even getting a proper contact onto the post. Yeah. When, if he just goes with his foot, that's in the back of the net. Tunisia were better... Um, better than a lot of people had expected um, and, and brought amazing support. There, we're talking about good support. Their support was outstanding. And now Denmark's manager, um, Kasper Denmark's Hulen. manager, Kasper, yeah, Kasper uh, Hjumland is kind of, what? Hjumland. Yeah, he's, um, he's talking about how this complicates things for the Danes a little bit. Because, I mean, this was a game they went into expecting to get the three points, and they have not. Yeah, I still, I mean, he's, I guess he's right. You'd, you'd obviously rather win. I still think they're better than Australia. Um, so, 
I mean, I guess the dynamic of this group is maybe a little similar to that of the United States is when you look at it. Like it's kind of it's gonna it might be all about between Tunisia and Denmark, who loses to France by the least and beats Australia by the most. Kind of like how I almost feel between the U.S. and Wales right now. Who can beat? Who can lose to England by the fewest and beat Iran by the most? Like it might come down to that kind of just goal differential situation. And I I tr- I, I don't know. I still think pretty highly of Denmark. I think they're a good team. I would still pick them. But okay. yeah, but uh, you're right. I mean, obviously the three points would have been a huge boost, just like it would have for the US. I still think they're I still think they're a good side and they're going to have a real shout at getting out of the group, but today just wasn't the ideal start. No. Um, your your cliché take of the day by the way, it was just I mean, again, to think of where Christian Eriksen was at at the Euros and like now here he is back in a World Cup for his national team. Um it's just it'll never stop being an incredible thing for me. Um to, to and again, that. I don't want to get all kind of Jimmy V and you know saccharin inspirational, but not giving up is such a big part of being a human being and and uh and it's hard not to be wowed every time you see that man take take the field, be it for Manchester United or his country. At this point, Andrew, I want to stop and say we are doing a YouTube live stream. Mm. on friday at what time well honestly my my goal is basically like that england usa game is going to end and then i kind of want us to start like four o'clock love it oh my god how much do i love that four o'clock that means jj is going to go to a local boozer in brooklyn which he will announce on social media he'll have a few drinks he won't get crazy drunk up in this club and then he will come back and he will do a live stream on our, on our YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube in the description of this podcast. Click on it. Turn the notifications on. We had an amazing crowd of people join us for the last one. Uh, it was truly stunning. The comments were flying. The fun was being had. And you do not want to miss this. Win, lose, or draw. You don't want to miss this YouTube experience. By the, the way, that, that's, ring- I know that's a cliche phrase, but you're right. Like, there's no outcome of this game that isn't uninteresting. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what happens, like, it will be interesting to me. You've got to be involved. You just have to be. And our listeners have been great, but we have so many listeners that aren't subscribed to the YouTube and are missing out on these, these golden opportunities. By the way, if you're with your family, that's fine. You can put your headphones in for a few minutes, rub your tummy because you got indigestion, and watch on your phone. You can take Gundling and Devani anywhere into the bathroom with you, down to the basement, out for a walk. And at that point in the holiday, you're kind of sick of your loved ones. We so are, why not spend some time with us? We are great. We're great bathroom buddies. Yeah. I would do a poo to to us anytime. It's a great place for us to be consumed. No, I would say, look, when that game ends, you still have right the, uh, the Giants-Cowboys game, I guess, is right after that. So put that on, put it on mute, and have our England-US commentary as the soundtrack, I think it's and, and, I think it's all set like, up perfectly. And do the, do the little thumbs up thing, and then send us a comment, and it's likely to get read out. And just just enjoy it, man. Oh, just wait, enjoy no, it. No, I'm all mixed up. Giants Cowboys is Thanksgiving Day. This is Black Friday. Yeah, don't worry yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, no, forget it. Don't, forget what I just said, everyone. Sh- yeah, you, calm down, Al Michaels. I don't <laughs> I don't want to confuse people. I'm talking about Friday so, here. So Friday, directly after the game. Uh, Whatever time that is, wherever you are, 
just guide yourself by the final whistle and don't bother listening to Fox and their post game. They're not going to tell you anything. We will have the post game. I haven't told my family yet that I'm intending on doing this. Your family despise you. They're quite happy if you're doing something. I'll tell you what, I sometimes think that they've had it with my love of sports. Do you think so? And by like they, I'm I joking. Mean, by they, I mean one person in particular. <laughs> yeah, I love Amanda. I, I don't. I, I like. I think she's amazing. She's such a sweet person. I think the Phillies, unex- the, the Phillies' unexpected run um, <laughs> has broken her. <laughs> yeah, because it was already like during football season is when I'm kind of like, look, I, I don't ask for too much. I just need my Sunday. I just need three hours on Sundays to watch the Eagles. But then the Phillies happened, and that was every night. And I think that was not expected. And uh, and now this <laughs> over Thanksgiving. What do you mean now this? And now How dare the, you? It's the wor- I look. I agree. I just I got to navigate it. It's a it's a dangerous course to traverse. Well, let's go to our final game of today, Andrew. And because I've got a few news and notes, this game I, I always say it, but the football is officially going on forever. And even outside of the World Cup, there are stories dropping um, that and some associated to the World Cup that I'd like to talk about. So let's get through the the French shellacking of our Antipodean friends, Australia. Can I just this say, like, this French team, I, I can't even believe it. That, like, that they, I mean, let's go through it. We did it the other night, but we can now add Lucas Hernandez to the list of Benzema, Pogba, Conte, Kempembe, uh, Hernandez, Am I missing? I feel like I'm missing someone. I don't know. But like, how how freaking good do you have to be where you can lose all those players and still be this good? Yeah. It's not, it's like not fair. Now, um, they started really badly, like very badly. And um, I thought Leckie's first touch and then the cross into Goodwin, it was, I mean, Australia did their very, very best. And Australia are made up, Andrew. This is not, this is not your older brothers. Yeah, there's no Tim Cahill. There's no Harry Kuehl. You know, there's no Mark Viduka. Mm. There's not even, there's not even a Lucas Neal. Was Mark Schwarzer Australian? Was Mm. he their keeper? Mm. They're not, there's no Mark Bosnich. You know? Yeah, there's there's just Aaron is... Moy. Aaron Moy, what a time he's having! Champions League with Celtic, uh, and now the World Cup with Australia centre mid going up against Tumani and and all these guys. So, you know, this is a team made up of like Central Coast Mariners again. You know how far they've fallen in the striking department. We talked about Kuehl and Viduka, like Jason Cummings is coming on from them, who was like a journeyman in Scottish football who happened to have an Australian mother. And then he, he, he declares, he played two games for Scotland. He declares for Australia, Central Coast Mariners. You know, this is Heart of Midlothian and the Central Coast Mariners. This is where they're picking from, generally speaking. So I think they did very well to hold France to 4-1. But there was times when <laughs> Atkinson, was, Atkinson was utterly tortured by Mbappe. Um France looked 
in Flash is not entirely, but like really, really good. They, they, and, I mean, they looked pretty good. This route was on. It could have yeah. been worse. Mbappe missed a, a, a volley in, from point blank range that for anyone else, it's an incredible goal for him. You kind of just expect him to have scored. And um, you know, the only reason he missed it is because he tried to just leather it. Yeah. He hit the hell out of it. Uh, Olivier Giroud almost had the goal of the tournament on like a, tr- on a true bicycle. Uh, but he put it a little bit wide. As it is, he scored yeah. two goals. He's now tied with Thierry Henry for the most goals in French football history. I think we have to have a conversation about him at some point. Like, he's just, he's hes all things to all ma- men because he's a link player. He's a classic number nine in some ways. He's tall, he's strong, but he's got such deft touches. There was a move in the second half where we often talked about how good he uh, he is as a wall, where you can just play the ball into him. He'll flick it round. And Mbappe can keep running. And to me, you know, it's it's amazing that he's going to pass. He's definitely going to pass. He might pass Henri in this tournament as the greatest French goal scorer of all time. Wild. It is wild. But it's. I have some quotes here now. And again, I'm uh, stirring the pot a little bit. Well, Diego Lugano is stirring the pot. I read this on Football 365. Um it was a little bit mischievous of Lugano to suggest that the rest of the French squad would be secretly pleased at the withdrawal of the injured Karim Benzema from this World Cup. The Uruguayan claimed he had played with enough French players to know that the Ballon d'Or winner is rather more popular with the French electorate than with his teammates. These are the quotes. I am certain, because I was a teammate to some France players, that they are very happy with the departure of Benzema. But... The the article goes on. Without Benzema, this is a unified France attack built around the effervescent and energetic Kylian Mbappe. And that is a unified France attack that should be feared by every defense in Qatar. Basically, what I'm trying to say is none of the oxygen in the room is going to be taken up by Olivier Giroud. He, and Benzema is a class player. Don't get me wrong. Not suggesting otherwise. But in terms of team balance and team vibes, you've got a guy who's selfless. Like he literally led the line for France at the last World Cup and allowed Pogba and um, and Griezmann and really, Mbappe, uh, he allowed Mbappe to have that to I shine. Know, I, I say allowed. Mbappe is way better than him. He didn't allow I, anything. Like, I know, was... I know. But every yeah, but like that number nine position, you know, you can be a facilitator, and I, and I just think, you know. Maybe, maybe this really works out because Giroud is in is in good form, um, and he can play. He knows how to play this role. If I can kind of translate to... what you're saying to the to an American audience, I think a lot of times a phrase that we hear in reference to some like really good teams, think of like a Draymond Green, players like that. The phrase you hear in the United States is a glue guy, and yep. I wonder if that's what you're describing Olivier Giroud to be. He's a he's France's glue guy. He's what you said. He's a glue gun. He's he absolutely. Um, uh, let me use a phrase that I used on Bobby Firmino. He's the rug that really brings the room together. You know, he he can. He's a team player. And um, and 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 well, I know it's Australia. It's a small sample size, but maybe with the with the with the talent they have, they can absorb the loss of of a huge, amazingly stellar talent. And uh, and prosper. No, they need to stop getting injuries all the time. It's it's, it's wild. Um, and that but, was as innocuous as you get. Like it, it didn't look like a real twist, 
he planted his toe awkwardly in the ground, all right, and um, and I know there's some schools of thought with injury that the the big toe and um, the strength of that and the strength of the way you land can affect um, uh, the tears in the ACL or, or traumatic movements to the knee, but it was just, it was horrific to watch. Yeah. The way he was in such pain. Yeah. That's rough. Anyway. Had to kind of be carried off. Um, uh, by the way, um, and Christopher Nkunku was the other player who I couldn't think of who also got hurt at training last week. And that's right. Uh, and yes, Mark Schwartzer was Australian. So thank you. Bing. I, th- I thought we'd, uh, I thought we said we we knew that already. Why were you? Uh... I did, but you. When I kind of asked you, you sat there and stared at me blankly. No, because I was trying to think of the other Mark Bosnich. Oh, oh. I just saw. <laughs> That's a, what I, I just I... saw an empty, just a total empty vessel, blank eyes staring at me, no thought. Just let no, that I was hang thing. out there. I was busy going through my brain rolodex of really good Australian players of the past. John Aloisi. Ooh, See, nice. Still going. Yeah. Who are we missing? I feel like we're missing some others. Aloisi, Kuehl, Viduka. We said, we said all Neil, these. Neil. You're just repeating the ones we said. I know, but if we go through those, note them off, what are the other ones? You said Cahill. Um, there, there was more than that, right? I know. Those uh, were the main ones, let's be honest. They're always a fun team. Something Not about anymore. them. I find something just like inherently likable about Australians. I, I don't that's know what it is. Go, that's until you go for beers with them. Oh, Americans in their credit cards. <laughs> the, the Aussies would make fun of you. Oh, they they would Why? rip you apart. Gundling. Yeah, okay. <laughs> get your get your credit card out. Oh, oh they destroy God. you. That is that's your Australian accent, huh? That's right. You can't do. You literally can't do any. But I know my limitations. You don't. You dare come at me. Oh, I watched. I watched. Um, I watched Michael Sheen again today. Oh, <laughs> now can you speak? Yeah. Can you do the part where he's not speaking English? I, I've got to write it down because it's a. It's a. It's a. There's some. Glocken, Glocken, Glocken. I mean that. What is that? That's. I mean that is. That's disrespectful. That's borderline xenophobia right there. Don't ever do that again. Okay. Wow. Shall we move on to some news and notes before we get out? No, I think I should speak more in Celtic. <laughs> God, no. God. I oh might do God. the rest of this pod in Celtic. Is that, would that no, be okay? No, you don't, you don't know any Gaelic. Okay. Is it Gaelic or Celtic? It's a Gaelic language. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Please don't. Uh, by the way, I, they're looking to call themselves Cumru. From the for which is the Welsh for for Wales, and um, they're gonna they've lodged um, a change of name form with huh. the uh, with UEFA. Well, so you won't be calling them Wales; you'll be calling them Cymru. Uh, I guess that's cool. I, I don't I don't know. I think that... I guess that's cool. Oh wow! <laughs> Just to, you you really don't care. Anyway, news and notes, Andrew. Uh, can you give me some dramatic? Tra- don't do. <laughs> Don't do Celtic again, but can you make up some dr- dramatic news music for me? Um, I'll play the drums. With, I'm a good. Your, I'm I'm very good at like playing the drums spontaneously on a on my steering wheel on a table. Are you gonna go? No, let's no. let's abandon this. Good lord. No. Um, news and notes. 
Manchester United announced that Ronaldo's second spell at the club is over. I'm going to be honest. This is not this is not just in reference to the people the other day who were disappointed that we spent all of our Portugal preview talking about him. <laughs> I I have no words left here. This was the logical conclusion since back this past summer. We took the scenic route, but eventually we got here. It's in everyone's best interest. This was a partnership that had to end. His legacy at that club was being tainted and tarnished. Uh, this has been ugly for a while now. I'm glad that it's over. I don't know where he goes next, but I'm not worried about that right now because it's the World Cup. We'll deal with that another day, but I'm glad that this is over. I'm glad too. I have nothing left to say except I was right from the get-go about oh. this. An absolute bloody disaster. And it's good news for Ten Hag. Interesting news also on the United front is that they, uh, the reports are out that they are indeed up for sale and the Glazers will listen to offers slash investment in the club. So uh, the two biggest clubs in England are now effectively on the market and they're with their American owners looking to get out. Uh, Rain, the company who helped negotiate the sale of Chelsea to Todd Bowley, have been retained by Manchester United, which is interesting too. I think, I think this, you talked about the logical end to Ronaldo. For FSG and the Glazers, this is the logical end. They've been trying to ring fence and guaranteed money for years, make it more of a Europe of American project in Europe. They're not getting it. They're not getting what they want. They realize they have to spend huge amounts of money to compete. And that is not the way of the American sports owner. And they are looking to get out. Um, so it will be interesting to see who is who is uh who's gonna take up I mean United. If Chelsea are worth what, two point whatever they were, billion. So the valuation I saw of United, I think, was 4.5. Um, I think that's conservative. Me too. When I saw that, I thought, Manchester United? They're more than that. Yeah. To me, that that will be, I, I don't know. Look, I'm no economist. but Definitely you, not. But I, I believe that they will be sold for more than $4.5 billion. Okay. Comfortably. Take it to the bank. All right. Um that was the two pieces of news. Uh, let's go back and circle back to uh, to World Cup news. The Black Friday showdown. Mm. U.S. men's national team versus England. Don't forget we're doing a live stream straight after the game. YouTube, subscribe. Uh, Sam Borden was talking to Tim Weah about uh, the feelings after the Welsh game. Weah said this, we have to look at the Welsh result as a positive, fix what we need to fix and move on to the next one. Um, Reports are, and nothing has changed on this front, the major injury worry. I haven't seen any other kind of concerns coming out of the camp yet. Uh, everybody seems to have got through that that 110 minutes or whatever it was. Okay. Um, Giorena is the major injury worry still uh, with muscle tightness, according to Sam Borden of ESPN. Um, England have their own major worry uh, surrounding Harry Kane's ankle, on which mm, an Iranian player, if, if you watched it, he just fell on it and rolled it. Like he... Excuse me. The Iranian player fell on Kane's ankle, causing it to roll at the Khalifa Stadium yesterday. Um, he's going to require a scan. That is potentially very, very good news for the United States. Oh, uh, I feel uncomfortable phrasing it like that. Um, you find the truth uncomfortable. If Kane <laughs> is not playing, that is probably I, a benefit just, but to, for the United just, States. But to like phrase it in some like celebratory way is weird. To That's me. not celebration. That's cold, hard facts, my friend. Who would you prefer to face Callum Wilson or Harry Kane? I hear you, but yeah, 
Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and then uh, I was doing a little bit of uh, scrolling through World Cup Twitter. Uh, former BBC political con- uh, correspondent John Sopel was on a podcast with Emily Maitlis, also herself, formerly of the BBC. And they revealed a conversation with an unnamed third party who'd been working closely with the World Cup's Qatari organisers. And this is what they had to say. I had the most fascinating conversation this weekend with someone who has worked closely with the Qataris, throwing a completely different light on what they now think in Qatar. And it is broadly, why on earth have we bothered? We've spent £200 billion on this. We are vilified over LGBTQ rights. We are attacked for being corrupt over the manner in which we got the World Cup. We are seen as kind of Victorian in the labour laws that we have and the way that guest workers have been treated. Nothing good has come to us as a result of this. And this has all been a giant waste of money. And I wish it would all just go away, but it can't. <laughs> I was... Uh, wow. I, yeah, I was surprised, but also kind of, yeah, that's how I'd feel if I was a, an organiser. This thing has been a spotlight on the deficiencies in that country, both human rights and in terms of civil liberties. And yeah, it, it, they don't come out of it looking good. That's it absolutely me, correct. It made me think about your average everyday Qatari, not someone who's a part of the royal family or the government, just a guy who lives there, works there, and loves soccer. Like it made me think about that guy and like how excited he was to find out that, oh my God, this event is going to be coming to this little country. Like we, I I can't even believe this. This is a dream come true. And like all that's come with it has been so horribly negative. And I just, it just makes me think about the average Qatari who thought that this would be a moment that like the world cup, it would bring glory to their country. The world would see, you know, the, the good things in this country. And it's just, it has been a, one of the all-time backfires. And I think that I could see if if you were somebody who was there, who was so excited, who never saw this coming, um, this wave of criticism, you must be com- just completely taken aback by it and, and devastated by it. Now, it's not me saying that it, that the criticism is, is not well with merit. It is with merit. I went on a whole rant the other night about how this, this tournament should not be here. For any for for a large number of reasons, but if you're just a guy in that country, I mean, this is it's got to be hard to watch this this event that you thought was going to be the most thrilling experience of your life and see your country just dragged through the mud. Yeah, it's it's a that's I could see that being disappointing for just a, a dude who lives there, for sure. And uh, finally, uh, actually, I, I and thought... by the way, though, along those lines, JJ, did you see some of what Joshua Kimmich said today? Because I thought that was no. interesting as well, which was kind of which kind of falls in line with this. And he basically talked about because I mean the um, the response to this tournament in Germany, like we think people in the U.S. aren't happy about this, or in England or or Spain or wherever, but the response in Germany has really been visceral uh, to the tournament taking place in Qatar. And so because of it, you know, there's not watch parties going on. There aren't really flags flying outside of houses. People have chosen to ignore this in Germany of all places, a soccer mad nation. And so uh, Joshua Kimmich talked about that. um, And he said, I'd like to be able to look forward to a world cup, even if it takes place here. 
Um, it's a huge dream for all of us. We're all on fire. We all want to play a good tournament. We all want to win tomorrow. And yes, it's not our fault where the World Cup takes place. I don't feel like there's any real joy there talking about the way that people back in Germany feel about this tournament. Um, and, you know, yeah. he, he goes on to say that this, like, they're, they're excited about it, the players on the team, but it's kind of been hard for them that, like, the, they feel like there's not support really behind them because the country is just can't get past the fact that this tournament is taking place in Qatar and it's sucked the fun right out of it. Um, and so I, I found that interesting that like the players have noticed. Yeah. Um, Roy Keane in Qatar working for ITV covering the world cup said this today, the world cup shouldn't be here. It just shouldn't be here. The corruption regarding FIFA, you've got a country, the way they treat migrant workers, gay people. I think it's great that it's been brought up. They shouldn't have the World Cup here. You can't treat people like that. We all love football. We love soccer. We're on about spreading the game. Just to dismiss human rights flippantly because of a football tournament. It's not right. The bottom line, we are talking about common decency, how you treat people. Football, the greatest sport in the world. There is so much money involved. There will be corruption. But let's get back to basics. You have to treat people with decency. It should start and finish with that. I mean, that's the former captain of Manchester United on air in Qatar, mm. just giving the country both barrels. So pretty strong. Uh, yeah, it is strong. And uh, finally, uh, talking of strong, uh, Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer at the goalkeeper on Twitter, always a good follow, yeah. particularly for the uh, minutia of TV ratings. Fox says, he tweets, it's USMNT versus Wales broadcast drew 8,306,000 viewers, of which 563,000 watched through Fox's streaming platform. The peak viewership was 9.4 million toward the end of the game. Now, that's big. The top five ratings markets is what's super interesting to me. And and by the way, that's in the middle of the working day. That's what I was going to... That needs to be yeah. pointed out. That's, that's fantastic, I yeah. think. Top five ratings markets shocked me. Not shocked me, but actually it did a bit. Number one was Austin. Number two, Cincinnati. Number three, Dallas. Number four, San Diego. And number five, Philadelphia. So three of those five have MLS teams that are really in their moment right now. In Austin, Philly, Cincinnati. And FC. I suppose FC Dallas as well, um, you know, Weston McKinney coming through there. Um, and I but, think San but, Diego is just a great, it's just a soccer hotbed. What, what, well, what Texas, is it that shocked you there? Uh, well, I suppose when I, when I looked at it first, I, I thought I'd see New York in there somewhere. Um, but I didn't. And then the second thing was. New York know, is maybe, never high on those lists. There's just too many people in the city that don't care about stuff. Okay. Like, there's, yeah. Interests are too fractured in New York. Yeah. There's Fabian who moved away from his parents from Oregon and now lives in Williamsburg on his own and has started his own coffee brand. He doesn't even have a TV. He doesn't even have a TV. Fabian, get a TV. You dick. Okay, so that's the top five. Um, Austin, I forget that Texas, even before MLS, has sneaky good soccer tradition. Cincinnati definitely does. Um, San Diego, I'm sure, going back to 
the NASL, they had a team there, and then Philadelphia has a long soccer tradition, so maybe I shouldn't be so shocked. Philadelphia is just a sports-crazed place. Like it's just Way more than this town, but nobody wants to say that because people get upset, but it's true. There are, yeah, like, there are hardcore, amazing sports fans in New York. There is not as many hardcore, amazing sports fans as there is in a town like Philadelphia, yeah. but no one wants to say that because it doesn't I, really i think i've been shouting it from freaking like mount everest for the last 15 years. i live here this is an event junkie town yeah that's what it is and there's yeah. a difference between the hardcore and that and that is jj's news round what a fun pod oh it was brilliant absolutely brilliant this is going to be great for people's commutes don't forget the live stream on friday i'm going to keep hammering that home let's have some fun bashing the brits I know everybody's going to be on the roads over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours, traveling all across the country, through the skies, on the highways to get where you're going for Thanksgiving. Uh, Please be safe. Please, 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 please be super safe. Um, And I should say, without getting sappy, we are, you know, when we left ESPN only a, a month or so ago, I did not know how this was all going to go. We were kind of, for us at least, taking a little bit of a step into the unknown. Uh, and I am truly grateful for the way so many of you out there have continued to support us, listen to this podcast, interact with this podcast, tell friends Help us out about practically. this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really awesome. I uh, I know I've said it before, and I just feel the need to repeat it time and time again and let as many people out there know that we, we don't take it for granted. Um, so thank you. I'm, thank you. Thank you. I, I echo that. Um, I'm supremely thankful. This has been a wild ride. I've never been more stressed in my life, registering a company, doing all those things. Um, but it's been amazing. And also, I like I like for people to think that this is their podcast. We do it. You enjoy it. And you do have a say in it. So please keep, keep in contact with us and keep listening. And uh, it's just been brilliant. And I, I hope everyone has a peaceful and thankful, thankful, peaceful and happy Thanksgiving. Um, and drive safe. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. Hey, this was fun, my friend. Like we said before, we will be with you. The hope is that that whistle goes final, 4 o'clock Eastern time will hit, and there will be you and I on YouTube talking you through whatever it is that's about to go down in what I've got to think of as one of the biggest American soccer events of all time, a Black Friday game in a World Cup against England. I mean, good Lord. It's just like it doesn't get bigger than that. Everybody out there, have fun watching it, whether you're with your families, at a bar, by yourself. I don't care where you are. Try to enjoy the best you can and then try to take in the post game with us on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Turn your notifications on. JJ, this was great, man. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.